1: liberty well what is going on all of our liberty loving friends this is another fantastic episode of good morning liberty i'm one of the hosts here charles chuck thompson with me as always the beloved benevolent nathaniel paul wall thurston (laughs) how's it going today my man
0: that's new i like that it's going pretty good it's tuesday we didn't do an episode yesterday. Happy post MLK Day. I, you know, I, I didn't celebrate yesterday because... I was told not to. MLK the third said not to, so I mm-hmm. didn't celebrate. I worked the entire day, but we did not do an episode. And so we got some stuff to um, to catch up on today. Luckily, we're still banned from YouTube, so we can do most of this stuff. Nice. So we don't have to worry about whether or not this is going to get uploaded today. We're going to post
1: this to Rumble and Gitter.
0: Yep. Yep. Get her done. Go find us on Rumble and Gitter. Freaking get her. still has a, a three minute upload max for their videos. You mm. know, that makes it so tough as a content creator. They need
1: to expand their database.
0: You got you got your stories. How dare them not know. host
1: all of our content? I know. I
0: know. We should ban that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should create a law saying that they should let you upload whatever amount because messing with all these different links. TikTok, you can do up to three. Gitter, you can do up to three. Twitter is two minutes and 20 seconds. Facebook, you can do whatever you want, except for with stories. Instagram, you got to have the stories, but you can do the, the IGTV. It's just got to be the right aspect ratio for everything. YouTube, you can do whatever you want, obviously, except for talk about truth. And uh, so it's just a lot of stuff to, uh, to worry about. And if you do video work... Then hit me up, Nate at GoodMorningLiberty.us, and if you want to make sure it gets responded to, CC Charlie at GoodMorningLiberty.us when you send that email. Because man, do we need man or, or and women and, and whatever uh, we need some help with videos for
1: sure. So, so hit us up. This is the day we're opening up the internship. We are
0: opening this up for anyone who wants to apply. Okay, the very first thing that we're going to be talking about.
1: I haven't made some... I I had more small talk first. Okay. See? You just try to jump right in. I know. Well, This is a long weekend, Nate. It is. With Martin Luther King Day and Martin Luther King Jr. Day and everything, Um, Nashville also had its third snowfall of the year so far, which never happens. So clearly we need to talk about climate change. Climate change, yeah. Yeah, That's what's going on. It's getting warmer out there, folks. Let me tell you, the snow is sticking to the ground which means now we have lived here going on our 13th year. Do you remember a time in the last 13 years where we had three snowfalls that actually stuck to the ground and impeded no. school and traffic and everything?
0: This last time, should the only reason this impeded school is because they had days that they wanted to use up. Because I went out yesterday, absolutely nothing on the roads whatsoever. No slippery spots, no anything. They just want to make sure they use up their budget of snow days. Well, yesterday was a holiday. Away. Yesterday was a holiday. That's annual. true. That's true. Well, you texted me snow day yesterday. So I was thinking
1: it was well, a snow day. So this a funny, funny story here. My child's daycare slash school that he's in was open yesterday. They weren't observing. They were following MLK 3. MLK 3's order yeah. not to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And so they, the school is going to open at 945. They were going to open later in the day. So that's why I didn't text you. And then... When they send out a message at eight thirty in the morning, they're like, "Hey, schools, you know, canceled for today."
0: I just don't even know what you're supposed to do as a parent when that happens. Like, you got, you know, the school. Luckily, great I own my own businesses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Luckily, you do. But man, what do you do as someone who has to go to a job? Right. All of a sudden, your kid's going to be
1: home that day. I just. Whew. It's we haven't we haven't figured out how to monetize children. Taking, this is unfair. <laughs> taking that into account.
0: I don't think I'll be having any kids anytime soon because I don't I don't know what I would do.
1: Okay, with Charlie's permission, I would think, like
0: to move on to the first story.
1: You don't think that we we here at this wonderful establishment would pay you? Um it's mainly because I wouldn't want to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. That's the main reason. So <laughs> no kid, it's time for you to go to school, whether it's open or not. Yeah, yeah, you're going. <laughs> you're gonna stand
0: outside, see if you can shovel some snow, something like that. You're going.
1: Bill if you want to build a snowman, you build it at school. All right.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay. We don't build snowmans at this house. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about COVID. You guys know COVID that's going around. People are getting and Charlie was sick over what the weekend. What is that? COVID. It's this this thing people are like worried about. Oh. It's just a bunch of fear mongering to me. Okay, it's not going to. Yeah. Nothing's going to amount to it.
1: Co COVID. That's
0: by the How way. you that, say it? That's like the one thing that we got wrong over the last couple of years. I've been going through our previous episodes because. I went home and I was talking to Lacey and I was like, you know what? It feels good to be right about just about darn near everything over the last couple of years. One thing we got wrong was we did say that we didn't think COVID was going to spread and be this massive thing that anyone needed to worry about, that it was just going to fizzle out like, like everything else did like H1N1 and all that stuff. It was just going to yeah, affect some people, but it wasn't going to be this massive thing. And um, maybe that's one thing that it definitely spread more than what we thought it was going to.
1: We also said though that this is going to be around forever. It's oh, yeah. like the flu. Yeah. So there we may have to correct ourselves there on yeah. through the history of GML.
0: Yep. So um yeah, Joe, I don't that's a good question. I'm not I'm not sure. You know, uh, Israeli study. Now we're just gonna put a few things together here and see if this is making sense. So new data out of Israel showing that the fourth COVID vaccine we shot. We can't trust it anymore. Anyway. Not this working. Is,
1: this is out of Israel. So. That's
0: out of it. Yeah, they don't have very good mm-hmm. data records. Also, how there. do you
1: say it's COVID?
0: Co- COVID. COVID. COVID, yeah. That's how you technically say it. A fourth shot of the COVID-19 vaccine boosts antibodies to higher levels in the third, but not enough to prevent Omicron infections, according to a preliminary study in Israel. Israel's... Sheba Medical Center has given second booster shots in the trial among its staff and is studying the effect of the Pfizer booster and one hundred and fifty four people after two weeks in the moderna booster and one hundred and twenty people after one week. These were compared to a control group that did not receive the fourth shot. Those in the moderna group had previously received three shots uh, of Pfizer's vaccine, the hospital said. The vaccine Another
1: crisscrossing,
0: I guess they're going back and forth, These, yeah. yeah, yeah, everywhere at once. Let's see. The vaccines led to an increase in the antibodies, even a little bit higher than what they had up to the third. But it's not enough for the it's probably not enough for the Omicron. She told reporters, we know by now that the level of antibodies needed to protect and not get infected from Omicron is probably too high for the vaccine, even if it's a good vaccine. Hmm. She had to say that due to a binding contract endorsement with Pfizer that stipulated that she mentioned that it was a good vaccine and very safe and effective at the end of it. Charlie knows about those things. Yes. So I'm going to put together a few things here and then I'm going to do two. Charlie's going to do two. It's going to be evened out. Don't worry about it. So I was looking up of whether or not the vaccine is preventing spread, you know, because we've got this whole thing where you're supposed to get vaccinated. Originally the idea, well, originally the idea was that it was going to stop you from getting infected. And then it was, well, maybe it's not going to stop you, but you're not going to spread it as much. And now it's like, well, you know what, everyone's just going to get it, but it's going to stop you from going to the hospital pretty much, except for the times it doesn't. And so we're going from this time where you had to get the vaccine to protect other people to now that part is gone. It's, it's really gone. And it was important that you had to get the vaccine to protect other people because then it couldn't be a personal responsibility issue where you made the risk assessment as to whether or not you were gonna keep yourself safe. And same thing with the mask. The mask doesn't protect you, it protects the other people. So therefore we can force you to wear a mask because it's for other people's protection. The vaccine, you know, okay, it protects you some, but also we don't want you to spread it to other people. So we gotta make you get the vaccine too. Those arguments are really disappearing now where we should be getting to an area of pure personal responsibility, personal risk assessment, and all those other arguments should be gone.
1: I don't want to do that. Yeah, I know. It's, it's
0: better just to force people to do things. The CDC And website, then blame them later. Yeah, that way, anytime anyone dies, it's because of someone who didn't follow the religion.
1: The pandemic of the unvaccinated.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, CDC website, by the way says uh, the CDC expects that anyone with Omicron infection can spread the virus to others, even if they are vaccinated or don't have symptoms. All right. So that's from CDC right there. And then I pulled the new study from the Lancet today. Transmissibility of SARS-CoV-2 among fully vaccinated individuals. Now they made a very interesting point in this that I didn't expect. They made the point that we shouldn't be pursuing any of the mandates because this thing doesn't prevent transmission.
1: Uh oh. So, Flippin from the script here, folks. From The Lancet,
0: which is, by the way, a, used to be a pretty well respected journal, but now, after posting this kind of right wing misinformation, <laughs> I don't know what they're going to say. The scientific rationale for mandatory vaccination in the USA relies on the premise that vaccination prevents transmission to others resulting in a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Yet, the demonstration of COVID-19 breakthrough infections among fully vaccinated healthcare workers in Israel, who in turn may transmit this infection to their patients, requires a reassessment of compulsory vaccination policies, leading to the job dismissal of unvaccinated healthcare workers in the USA. They're talking about whether or not we should be firing people for being unvaccinated, since it doesn't stop you from transmitting the virus to anyone. Indeed, there is growing evidence that peak viral titers in the upper airways of the lungs and culturable virus are similar in vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals. A recent investigation by the CDC of an outbreak of COVID-19 in a prison in Texas showed the equal presence of infectious virus in the nasopharynx of vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals. Similarly, researchers in California observed no major differences between vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals in terms of viral loads, even in those with proven asymptomatic infection. Thus, the current evidence suggests that current mandatory vaccination policies might need to be reconsidered and that vaccination status should not replace mitigation practices such as mask wearing, physical distancing and contact tracing investigations, even within highly Vaccinated populations. So, once again, what we're seeing here is that these mandates, and especially where they're firing people for it, where businesses are firing people for it, there's no science to back these things. The only thing you can make the argument for is that a health insurance company, if they wanted to, they could decide to charge you more for your health insurance if you're unvaccinated because there's a slightly increased risk, although there's still a very low risk in both categories but say you're over 50 and you're unvaccinated, if they wanted to bump your premiums up voluntarily on an insurance risk assessed basis, that would make some sense. But this idea that you need to fire people or ban people from going anywhere because they're not vaccinated. There's no, there's no data suggesting that this is going to slow down the spread whatsoever. All you're doing is talking about protecting the hospital systems now, which is why we shifted from, Cases to the hospitals being overflowing with people, you know, hospitalizations sh- and deaths. Yeah, that's why we're shifting over to that because now they're grasping on to the last thing they can do to try and push the mandatory policies. Because the only argument you can currently make, if you wanted to make any argument, would be that less people would be hospitalized if they were vaccinated and getting Omicron versus unvaccinated and getting Omicron. That's the only remaining scientific argument right there. And so that's why you're starting to see people shift over to that narrative because it's the only one that still works.
1: But they are leaving the door open here, I would say, by the end of this paragraph by saying that it should not replace mitigation practices such as mask wearing, physical distancing and contact tracing investigations, even within highly vaccinated populations, meaning that vax mandates and or I'm sorry, not vax, a mask mandates social distancing and those kinds of things they can still impose mm-hmm. their rules in that regard just making sure they they leave the door open here as they switch the narrative they want to still make sure that they can maintain control I think but you know my question is is the same here as stone Steve cold Austins which is if a covid tree falls in the woods <laughs> and no one's around to vax it is it really racist that is a deep, is it
0: still racist that's a deep. Well, Obviously, it yeah, is. Even if no one's around. No question. Those are antebellum trees, more than likely.
1: And it had no way to get an, an ID.
0: Yeah, that, that's true. So It, didn't, it, it depends could, on whether or not it has an ID. If it doesn't have an ID, then it's probably not racist. It couldn't get vaxxed. Yeah.
1: No ID, no vax.
0: Yeah, I see what you're, see what you're doing there. That does make sense. Okay, so... No, that's a valid question. Taking all of that into consideration that we just talked about with the fact that this is not stopping people from spreading it you still can get it asymptomatically and spread to the round that they're not seeing any difference in the viral loads between vaccinated and unvaccinated or a, a minute difference. Let's see if all of these science followers are following the science. All right. And then, and then that's for you. Bill,
1: Bill Maher had a good segment about this um, back when they did that, that poll about whether or not you thought if you contracted COVID what your chances of hospitalization and death were. And he was calling out all the Democrats. He's like, all these science-following Democrats got got the poll the most wrong. Republicans were better at the poll than they were. And so he was calling out the media and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, if we're going to grill right-wing media for their denial of climate change, which I don't necessarily agree with, He's like, why are we not grilling the left wing media media for not following the science? And he even said, when your children have a zero percent chance of dying from this disease, he said that on a show. Statistically zero. Interesting.
0: Yeah, uh, so, let's talk about Novak Djokovic real quick. Is you guys it Vitch, remember Djokovic? Or Djokovic. Djokovic.
1: You guys okay. remember this guy? He's a tennis player. We I talked him. about him two weeks ago. It might have been the beginning of last week. Maybe I don't, last week. I think. Yeah, this guy tennises for a living. He's mm-hmm. he's a professional tenniser.
0: He wears he just calls them shoes.
1: right because <laughs> he
0: doesn't have to exactly. He doesn't have to separate those out. No. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He wears sponsored probably shoes. Yeah. Um. He's a tenniser. He he hits balls over the net with a racket. You know that thing. Mm-hmm. And there's like a court and stuff. Whatever. It's It's called tennis. Mm-hmm. In case you haven't heard of it, it's like the big version of ping pong. Yes. Yes, that's right. And it's and it's it's on the ground instead of being on a table. Yeah. But similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very it's similar. It's like a thing. really big
0: table. Like if you took the table and the ping pong and like that you just st- made it all bigger.
1: That you're standing on. Yeah. Yeah. We'll
0: that's show. That. We'll have to, I'll pull up a video.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> For people. Anyway, this guy is apparently is <laughs> like the number one player. It's pretty good. A tall yeah. guy anyway. So Novak Djokovic risks being frozen out of tennis as he chases a record 21st Grand Slam title. This coming from Reuters. The title is No Vaccine, No French Open for Djokovic, as rules tighten. Tighten. The Serbian, who has not been vaccinated, was deported from Australia. Australia! On Sunday, ahead of the Australian Open, after losing a court case to have the cancellation of his visa overturned. Remember, we talked about how they allowed him in but that the what was it the minister of travel whatever they have whatever tyrannical lordship they have over there in australia that allows people to still revoke things so one hand washing station in australia approved of him staying Mm -hmm. the other hand washing station could still revoke it and they did so then he went to court over it and they over they overturned the cancellation
0: the court said he could stay and then the uh the the Ministry of Tennis said that he had to go.
1: Okay, that's what it was. <laughs> the Ministry of the game. So, yeah. Under Australian law, Djokovic cannot get another visa for three years, denying him the chance to add to his nine titles at Melbourne Park. And see what they're doing is they're just creating tennis equity because it's kind of unfair <laughs> that the guy has nine titles anyway. Yeah, somebody true. else should get the title. Yeah. The world number one could be barred from the French Open as things stand. The French sports ministry, they have all these ministries. Mm-hmm. Said on Monday, there would be no exemption from a new, a new vaccine pass law passed approved on Sunday, which requires people to have vaccination certificates to enter public places such as restaurants, cafes, and cinemas. Quote, this will apply to everyone who is a spectator or a professional sports person. And this until further notice, the ministry said. So, guys, this game is obviously a dangerous game. It's played on a crowded field. Big table. Big table.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. remember from the last story, um, people are not of any more danger from him than they are from any of the other vaccinated people that are there. Not to mention, he's probably testing eight times a day. And they knew that he didn't have it because he just had it in December. So they knew that he didn't have it. No one's at any risk. What any more risk than going around any other person at all? In fact, some of the studies showing that you're actually at more risk, probably because you're actor, acting more hazardous whenever you're around people who you feel like you're safer to be around them. And so anyway, they're just you know following the science. And there's yet another science following thing happening that that um you can go into also.
1: Well, I was going to say first is that. There's also an increased risk of clotting and things. If you get the vaccine too early following having COVID the yeah. recommended wait time is 90 days because of the way the spike proteins work and, and causing your D dimer um, elevations, which increases clotting and, and can actually lead to stroke or other thing other problems. Censored. But no, who cares? That's not follow the science. Did you hear that that from
0: Alex Jones? You probably heard that on that Robert Malone podcast. Probably that's yeah. yeah, That's what it was.
1: Came from the right wing publication Lancet. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So this from Axios: DC prepared to enforce indoor vaccine mandate. Now it's important you remember
0: all the stuff we just read about vaccines to start the podcast. While we're going through this stuff, the science.
1: The proof of vaccination requirement to dine indoors is from Axios. Enter gyms and go inside many other businesses was introduced to boost vaccination rates and prevent the spread of COVID-19 when going out. Prevent the spread. Even though your viral load is the exact same as a non-vaccinated person. The city will send crews to restaurants and businesses to quote lead with education, compliance and enforcement said Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development, John Falacio. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh, Falciccio. Falciccio. <laughs> I just thought Falacio oh. was better. <laughs> After verbal and written warnings, I think it's Italian. So Amanda will have to help me pronounce this. But I think, I think Falchicio. is probably close. Falchichillo. After. Falchichillo. Uh, I'll send it to you, Amanda, so you can help me with this one. So, after verbal and written warnings for the first two violations of the mandate, the Alcoholic Beverage Regulation Administration can levy fines of $1,000 and $2,000. Freaking Alcoholic
0: Beverage Regulation Administration.
1: With previous mandates, quote, we've dealt with this before where businesses said we're not going to do it. And ultimately, they do not comply. And ultimately, they do comply. Uh, it's Falcicchio said. Falcicchio. I think it's Italian. That's that's why Amanda helped me with that. Thanks. Since Saturday, any, not fellatio. <laughs> Since Saturday, anyone age 12 and over in D.C. must have had at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. <laughs> Because one dose is what's going to help you, folks. We've got literally no data showing that that (laughs) helps whatsoever. At Uh, all. No data. Well, you know, but at least they have the mandate in place so people feel safer. (laughs) Okay? So anyone age 12 or over in D.C. must have had at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine to gain entry to those places covered by the mandate. By February 15th, they must be fully vaccinated, meaning having received two Pfizer or Moderna shots or one Johnson Johnson shot to gain entry. Montgomery County lawmakers are considering legislation to match the district's vaccine mandate, but its prospects for approval are uncertain. DC's mandate was put in place by mayor Muriel Bowser. 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 Okay. So it gets
0: frustrating. You know, because they didn't, what they'll do is they'll, they'll gaslight you and make it as though they're the ones that are following the science, but they're literally not. I mean, they're actually not following the science at all. Uh, but they'll, they'll make you feel as if you're crazy. they don't make me feel crazy, but they'll act as if everyone else is crazy.
1: Are they doing any sort of MPF here?
0: <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. That's not a thing. Actually, wait, MP, wait. MFP. uh, Yeah. MFP. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure that might be what's happening right now. Although no, it's not YouTube. Wait, we're still banned from YouTube. It's fine. We can say stuff like that right now today, Mm -hmm. not tomorrow. We're not allowed to say it tomorrow.
1: Can we come up with another word for the P word? Mass formation. Not psychosis. NP. MFNP.
0: Oh, I was just saying something that's not the word psychosis. We need other words from that. Submit those via discord group. Which you have the privilege of being in if you go to goodmorningliberty.us. Goodmorningliberty.locals.com actually is what it is, not the website, Good not morning, our actual liberty. website.
1: Might, will that get you there too?
0: Actually, there should be a page that is slash locals. That would make sense, but there isn't one. And it's going to go on the list right now.
1: Goodmorningliberty.locals.com.
0: Okay. Speaking of gaslighting, we've got a new story here from Gaslight NBC. <laughs> MLK Jr. would have despised the GOP's anti-CRT push. Now, I know you're thinking. We're switching over to CRT, but it has to do with what they end up throwing in here at the end. Okay, from Gaslight NBC... On totally the, unrelated. Totally unrelated. On the issue of race and culturally conscious teachings, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. stood completely opposed to the type of racist, self-absorbed, and ahistorical beliefs today's conservative movement holds about education. Using the misnomer, critical race theory, a thing that doesn't exist, that we're super mad about being banned, the conservative movement has deemed all kinds of lesson plans about social inequality dangerous to school children. As a result, a majority of Republicans nationwide said the lingering effects of racism should be taught, not so much or not at all, according to polling from November. Just to be clear on this, and you know what I'm going to say is factually accurate because I started my statement with just to be clear. Let's be clear. What people are really opposed to is not teaching the history of racism in the U.S. What people are opposed to is you looking at an eight-year-old child and calling them an oppressor because of the color of their skin. That's what people are actually opposed Mm to. And that's what people want to make sure is not happening.
1: Well, this is according to polling from November. Oh, okay. Okay. See, this is is what they do. They have these polls where they just gather bogus data, and that way they can write a story about it and say... This isn't our words. We're just telling you the story according to this poll. This poll. The science says. Yeah, that happened in November.
0: It's important you remember what he, MLK Jr., actually stood for and what he stood against. And he absolutely stood against white revisionism and willful ignorance and education. Because that's what everyone is saying we need to do. In his 1967 book, Where Do We Go From Here, Chaos or Community, King tees off on arrogant, willfully ignorant white people. Quote, whites, it must must frankly be said, are not putting in a similar mass effort to re-educate themselves about their racial ignorance, King wrote. It is an aspect of their sense of superiority that the white people of America believe they have so little to learn. King's College essay, The Purpose of Education, also reads today like a full-throated condemnation of the way conservatives view education. Here's one excerpt about the need for education to counteract propaganda. All right. Quote, to save man from the morass of propaganda, in my opinion, is one of the chief aims of education. Education must enable one to sift and weigh evidence to discern the true from the false, the real from the unreal, and the facts from the fiction. <laughs> it's from is MSNBC. that what education
1: should be? Yeah.
0: That could easily be a denunciation of present-day conservative school boards, some of which are forcing educators to try and show both sides of human <laughs> atrocities, including the Holocaust.
1: <laughs> now, they literally flipped the words know, that he just
0: said. I know. That this is gaslight we call it gaslighting NBC. That's what that's what that's, it is. Like that's it's exactly what they're doing. Now, there are people saying that both sides of the Holocaust should be talked about. Why would that be important? I think it's important to talk about both sides of the Holocaust and the way that Jordan Peterson talks about that book, Ordinary Men, all the time. I think it's important for people to realize that if you were in the 1930s and 40s right now and you were in Germany and you were a military-aged male or whatever it was, that you would have been a Nazi. That's what you would have been, Mm -hmm. and you would have followed along. More than likely. Most people would have done that. The huge majority of people would have done that. And, and I think that's important, important to understand thing. why. Yeah. All right. So they finish up here. If we aren't careful, King warned America's educational institutions, quote, will produce a group of closed minded, unscientific, illogical propagandists consumed with immoral acts. <laughs> so if we don't follow King's words, The education system will produce a group of closed-minded, unscientific, illogical propagandists.
1: You can't make this up. You can't make this up. You guys remember the beginning of the podcast. And they're using this. (laughs) Yeah. Like in their favor Gaslight NBC. (laughs) That's what they do. That's so amazing. (laughs) It's good. So what he's saying is true. Uh, Yeah. But that's not what the left is following. No. They're the ones who are actually being <laughs> closed-minded, unscientific, illogical propagandists. And dare I say, mass psychosis formation. You
0: you Oof. dare do say that, mm-hmm. sir, but we will give you one strike. One more strike on that. Okay. Okay. Continuing on MLK, or we're going to go to MLK3 real quick, and then we're going to go into some voter
1: Restrictions. Joe said that the Germans fell under psychosis of massive form.
0: Yeah, it was a really big form of everyone being kind of crazy and like in, entranced with this one hmm. single idea. Like a large group of people came together and they were all fixated on this one single thing
1: and willing to do anything. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> yeah. I don't know what you call it, but I don't know what you call that it kind again. of seems like what it was.
1: This coming from the AP, the Associated Press. On MLK Day, King III implores Senate to act on voting rights. Very important. He's talked about this a little bit. Speaking in Washington, D.C. on Monday, Martin Luther King III said he wasn't there to celebrate. He was there to call on Congress and President Joe Biden to pass the sweeping legislation that would help ease Republican-led voting restrictions passed in at least 19 states that make it more difficult to cast a ballot quote i hate it when they
0: say that but what i want to know from someone on the left is should there be any rules associated with voting because any rule would make it more difficult to pass the ballot than there not being any rules so what i want to know is should there be any let's at least start on the same footing here when we're having the conversation should there be any rules What do you guys in the group think? It should be be
1: the the Democrats' rules. Yeah. it should be their rules. That's right. The ones that are opposed. Yeah. Quote, (laughs) Our democracy stands on the brink of serious trouble without these bills, Mm -hmm. he said. So President uh, Biden had a tweet out here. We don't know if this was him or not, but he said, Jim Crow 2.0 is about two insidious things, voter suppression and election subversion. It's about making it harder to vote who gets to count the vote and whether your vote counts at all. We have to pass the Freedom to Vote Act and John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. We have, we to. have to. It's Jim Crow 2.0. King told of how his father also faced a pushback on civil rights by those who believed the issue could not be solved with legislation. Quote, they told him he had to change hearts first. And he worked hard for that. After all, he was a Baptist preacher. But he knew that when someone is denying you your fundamental rights, conversation and optimism won't get you very far.
0: Now, who is being denied fundamental rights right now? I'm still trying to find these people, and I dug into it a little bit today. I'm, when we get into it here in a minute,
1: I know you did. Um, <clears throat> is this the the sister or the the daughter?
0: Cinema. Sin- That's uh, Kirsten Cinema from. Arizona is who they're talking about right there. Okay.
1: Cinema has argued that bipartisanship is needed to address the issue, but King countered that significant milestones, including the 14th Amendment that granted citizenship to former slaves, passed Congress without bipartisan support. Okay. So, folks, Jim, we're living amongst Jim Crow 2.0 mm-hmm. and all of you who oppose freedom to vote and the John Lewis. Voting Rights Advancements Act clearly endorse slavery and yeah. racism.
0: <clears throat> so when, when, he, when they finished up with this quote they said uh, that we don't need bipartisanship because the 14th Amendment that granted citizenship to former slaves passed Congress without bipartisan support. And so I you know I hadn't looked up much on the 14th Amendment so I started looking into it. And the first thing I got about it was this fact check. You know I like fact checks. I found this to be a ridiculous fact check right here. And I'll tell you what they were fact checking. I w- this isn't the point I was really wanting to make, but this is a nice little sidebar. And then we'll go into some of the actual numbers. Because what people maybe don't realize is that actually it was Republicans that were voting in favor of rights for the freed slaves and everyone. It was the uh, Democrats that were very much against it. That's not a super useful point. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really have any bearing on today's people that are inside of any of these political parties. Unless you're a Democrat and you want to make sure that you're, that you're trying to defend your Democratic name. So here's from US Today, USA Today Fact Check. <clears throat> Historical claims about constitutional amendments lack context. It's that damn context. I know. Here's, Every time. Here's the claim. This is the lacking context claim. The 14th Amendment was passed with 94% Republican support. The 15th Amendment was passed with 100% Republican support. Quote, The 14th Amendment, now this is what they had the fact check, was this post on Facebook. The 14th Amendment, giving full citizenship to freed slaves, passed in 1868 with 94% Republican support. The 15th Amendment um, passed with 100% Republican support and 0% Democrat support in Congress. An image shared over fifty thousand times on Facebook reads, "The meme, which has been shared elsewhere elsewhere online, is accurate in its claims, but misses critical historical context. Most importantly, in the immediate aftermath of the Civil War, there were few Democrats in Congress to give support to the constitutional amendments. There weren't very many of them. Mm-mm. That's now remember zero percent was accurate, but there." Missing context is that there weren't very many Democrats, okay? The Republican Party, founded in 1854, was established as an explicitly anti-slavery party in response to Southern intransigence on slavery's expansion. In 1865, after the Civil War's end, there were only 38 Democratic representatives to the Republicans' 136 members. Republicans also held a veto-proof majority in the Senate, which helped the party enforce its expansive reformist platform. The remaining Democrats in Congress were divided among pro and anti-war lines They remain obstinate in their opposition to Republican government. Quote, <clears throat> The Democrats were essentially the party of no, no to absolutely any and everything possible. Many of them were slaveholders themselves from the broader slave states, and they fought tooth and nail to avoid the abolition, abolition of slavery or the empowerment of black people. The context made supporting the amendments Uh, This context made supporting the amendments a non-starter among Democrats who agitated for an end to Reconstruction and a return to white supremacy in the American South. So once again, their ruling is that the statement that it had no Democrat support is missing context. The Republican Party did ratify the 14th and 15th Amendments on heavily partisan lines. This is mostly, however, because of the party's domination of the federal government at the time. Republicans also faced harsh opposition, harsh opposition from a largely Southern Democratic Party committed to white supremacy. This dynamic, echoed in the lead up to the Civil War, made bar- bipartisanship impossible, meaning that they, the Democrats just could not have voted for it to do it. So they rate the claim missing context, even though it was the true thing. They didn't say, "Well, but at the time, you know, it would have been tough for any Democrats to step out there and vote
1: for it." This is insane.
0: Yeah. So literally, this is a fact check from USA Today, whose only job is to try and defend. I thought they were the Democratic talk about, Party. I
1: thought they were going to talk about how the Republican and Democrat Party has shifted. No, they didn't even mention that at all. And then what and Joe says thing. right here, the context makes it actually worse. Yeah, the the, the missing context makes it worse. Yeah, it's
0: <laughs> and Why? like I
1: said. My God. It wasn't like something I really wanted to go
0: into, but I just started looking up the 14th Amendment and how many of the states voted for it and, and all that because the states have to ratify it because MLK 3 mentioned it and I just ran across the fact check and when I saw that, I was like, well, okay,
1: I need to check and see what they're fact checking here. Okay. So let's see what's going on with the study here that, that they're citing when they talk about this voter ID law and everything that could... All the restrictions... Yeah. Restrictions that are in place by these uncontrolled white supremacist Republicans passing these anti voter laws that we must stop. What is behind this? So the by
0: the way, the the Brennan Center for Justice, I think is what it's called is it's the most racist. Is the well, it's actually the most cited thing for everyone who's against all of the restrictions. Well, they we're about to, to the, find out it's racist. So the Brennan Center For justice. And when I went into their website, which is all about how this disenfranchises minorities and stuff, their first study study that they cited was this study from the University of Houston. And so I was like, well, let me just... I want to know how many people are being blocked from voting. I need to know the numbers. What's actually happening? All of them, Nate. So this survey from... uh, This study from Texas gives us a little bit of insight into that.
1: So this is from the university of Houston dot edu. So U H dot edu. The data employed in the study are drawn from two separate representative surveys of registered voters who were eligible to participate in the November 8th, 2016 election, but did not cast a ballot. So these are non voters.
0: Yeah. They were eligible, but they didn't vote.
1: Virtually all registered voters in Harris County and CD 23 who did not participate in the election uh, possessed one of the state-approved forms of photo ID needed to cast a vote in person. Altogether, uh, almost 98% of non-voters in Harris County and the District 23 possessed an unexpired state-approved photo ID. With the, these proportions rising to almost 98.5% and 98% when voter IDs that had expired within the previous four years were considered. Okay. So, from this Mm -hmm. data set, approximately one in seven non-voters signaled a lack of possession of a state-approved photo ID as one of the reasons they did not participate in the 2016 election. Among this subset of non-voters, so that that was one in seven, and then they asked those one in seven, uh... Whose non-participation was attributed to at least in part to the photo ID requirements. Approximately two-thirds of those people, with a pref uh, of those, well, they had a preference that would have voted for the Democratic candidates. This suggests that had these individuals participated, the Democratic candidates in the former two contests would have enjoyed even larger margins of victory, and the Democratic candidate in that district, Pete Gale- uh, Gallego Gallego,
0: maybe Gallego. Yeah. Or maybe Gallego. I don't know.
1: Would have defeated his Republican rival Will Hurd instead of losing to Hurd by 1.3% of the vote.
0: So just to follow the numbers here, they found that one out of seven identified voter ID as one of the reasons that they didn't vote. And they found that 66% of those people said that they would have voted Democratic. So then they, they are then inferring that the Democratic candidate actually would have won if it wouldn't have been for the voter ID law. And this is what the Brennan Center cites a lot for their numbers. But then there's a problem is that this study has more words and paragraphs. There's in it.
1: more data. Yeah. There's more, so there's more stop, stuff in the study. If you stop right there, then obviously the Democrats are losing due to the voter suppression. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it continues on here. It says, however, when pressed to give the principal reason, the primary reason of why they did not cast a ballot in 2016, only 1% of non-voters identified a lack of state-approved photo ID as the principal reason they did not vote.
0: So it just went from about 18% said that it was one of the reasons, but then they said, okay, what's the main reason you didn't vote? It went down to 1% saying that it was because of the ID. 1%. Just so we know that.
1: Mm -hmm. Among this handful of non-voters, 86% of the 1%, by the way, this is 86% of the of the last 1%, actually possessed an approved form of photo ID, while 14% did not. So now we're down to the 14% of the 1%. In other
0: words, 0.14% of the people actually did not have the photo ID that they needed.
1: While the photo ID law at least partially discouraged some people from voting, an actual lack of state-approved photo ID kept virtually no one from turning out to vote in 2016.
0: Yeah, they found only one person... Out of the people they surveyed from turning out to vote in 2016, one person. Now this study is cited by the Brennan Center. They could have but cast with a, that last
1: paragraph. They could have cast 100 votes. That one yeah. person. Yeah. <laughs> they would have had a valid photo ID. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I'm still in a massive search to figure out how big of a deal this voter ID thing actually is. And if it is a big deal, if it's a massive deal, then what we should do is take point zero 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 one percent of the budget and make sure that everyone has a valid photo id and don't charge any money up front for it and then we solve the problem after that then we don't have to talk about all this stuff we just don't charge any money for the ID up front you take it out of your cost for goods and services and taxes and stuff like that i'm just saying this is not a this is a this is really a non-issue you're in subsets of subsets of the population. you got to get all the way down to the people who can't get an ID, and they had to have been someone who would have gone to vote, which is already a small subset of the population. And then you got to go down to people who can't get an ID, literally can't do it. And it's very, very, very small amount of people. But they're making it... I mean, you look at what MLK3 was saying. Our democracy hinges on these things being passed. It's gonna. It's over. Mm-hmm. If we don't pass these things, the fundamental rights are being removed from people right now. He said, our democracy stands on the brink of serious trouble without these bills right now. No, they, no, it doesn't. It surely don't. In fact, you could say that what people, he is saying
1: is these colors don't run.
0: <laughs> That's
1: what he said. That's what he's saying.
0: I think you make the argument that the, the democracy would be stronger if you actually had the voter ID because you have more faith in the elections. And then when you do this, if they pass these bills, you're going to lose all the remaining faith in the elections. It's all going to be gone. There's going to be something to point to at all times. And there's already plenty to point to, but you got a federal overhaul of the election systems that, that is really going to push the whole country to fall apart really quickly because no one is going to trust the outcomes of any of the elections after that. And what I would just wish is that people would, someone would cite the information and they're going to cite this study. Instead of saying that one in seven people identified the ID as a reason they didn't vote. I wish they would talk about the next paragraph in the study. Also, if anyone wants to read it, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Just so you guys all have that. So, okay, we can do, you got anything else on voter ID, Charlie? You at ma'am
1: i was just seeing what the what the votes would actually do um just just to see what's actually in them
0: what do you mean oh in the actual bills
1: yeah because it's a lot more than just voting i know that but i haven't had the chance to dig into what they actually have in them and i don't trust what they're highlighting here so like npr is highlighting that the freedom act is going to make election day a national holiday So it makes it easier for all their people won't be stuck at work, Mm -hmm. right? Because now you're going to force businesses to grant another holiday here. Now, it allows states to have early voting for at least two weeks prior to Election Day, including nights and weekends. So basically extending the COVID rules that most states. Does it
0: say allows or says that it requires? It says allow states. they can do that right now if they want to. Right. They don't need to be allowed to do that by the federal government.
1: Uh, it says allow voting by mail with no excuses needed. They're already allowed to do to that. Put their ballots in drop boxes. They're allowed to do that too. Now, here we go. I here. like the, the phrasing
0: there. Just think about how different that phrasing is, though. When you say allow, what you're saying is that somehow there are rules set up right now from the federal government saying that they can't do it. And now they're going to allow it to happen. The state can do it already if they want to. They just might not be doing it.
1: Here's a couple requirements. Require that states make voting more accessible for people with disabilities. Okay. It must be really hard. Yeah. When you you go to these schools and stuff.
0: Ramps up to the voting booths. Right. Because no schools have that.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Require that states that require IDs for voting, they would have to broaden the types of identification acceptable. So, like, just a permission slip from your mom. Yeah. This is Lucy Davis. Here's my name. (laughs) Love, mom. (laughs) Oh, you must be Lucy Davis. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Uh, States would also have to offer same-day voting registration and online registration and also make it easier to register at places like Departments of Motor Vehicles, the DMV.
0: Now, the same-day thing was already a freaking debacle in California. We read something about that, but they that was totally botched. I can't remember what the
1: numbers were, but it wasn't good. So the measure would also outlaw partisan gerrymandering. That's, yeah. This is the big one, folks. So.
0: That is the major
1: thing. It would also impose new rules on how campaigns are paid for by limiting the use of so-called dark money by political action committees Any group that spends more than $10,000 to influence an election would be required to disclose all donors.
0: Disclose Act. They're still trying to do it,
1: Mm -hmm. which we mentioned in our privacy speech. A small donor matching system would be set up for House candidates. A new election assistance and innovation fund would match contributions up to $200 at a 6-to-1 ratio. The fund would not use taxpayer dollars and instead be financed through a... uh, Assessments paid on fines, penalties and settlements for certain tax crimes, and corporate malfeasance. So they're setting up their own donation fund.
0: Let's see. Uh, By the way, from Pew Research, California's rollout of automatic voter registration didn't go as planned. Uh, Seemed like a good idea. Cut the bureaucracy by adding voters automatically and welcome more residents and political participation. Uh, DMV officials found more than 100,000 registration errors in the first year. Including some voters registered to the wrong party and and at least one non-citizen uh, across the country. Prov- anyway, so a hundred thousand errors in the in the very first year in California. I knew we read something about a pretty big number. So anyway, you do that across the country. You see when you do things on a larger scale, it gets more efficient, right? Yeah, that's how it's going to work. It's going to going to work a lot better anything
1: that doesn't work on a small scale definitely works on a large scale now if you're producing products or you're a large business
0: you can make things more efficient but uh bureaucracies and governments don't typically get more efficient on large scales actually they're more efficient on small scales and this is already very inefficient in a in a state that's got 30 35 million people in it pretty inefficient so anyway um. That's where we're at. If we don't do all those things, then we don't have a democracy. That's actually where what it's at right now. I don't know if you know this, but that's what we got going on.
1: I think we are. I mean, we are at a place of losing our country, the, but what, for the, all the wrong reasons that the left says. That we're not, we're not at risk of losing our country because of voter suppression, supposed voter suppression laws.
0: No, especially since, by the way, the minorities, the share of the uh, eligible people to vote continues to go up every single year. There's no evidence that there's this big voter suppression clamp that's came down, and now the percentage of minorities voting just keeps going down and down and down. Actually, the percentage of the, of the white voting part of the populace is going down, and the, the black and Hispanic and whatever portions continues to go up despite all of the restrictions.
1: Mm-hmm. just continues to go up. Those are just good American people who are fighting the patriotic dream.
0: Where Where's everyone in the group at on gerrymandering, by the way? That's a, uh, in in favor, not in favor? I mean, you guys have seen these congressional districts before, right?
1: They can get pretty ridiculous.
0: It's pretty crazy. Like, it's clear what they're doing. But I see the arguments for and against because one issue you have is, say the district stayed the exact same all the time.
1: You're literally... Amanda said, I'd like to tell you where I'm at, but they keep redrawing the lines. (laughs) That was a good one. Yeah.
0: Um, I just, you know, people generally, a lot of people argue that that the party that's in power being able to redraw the lines is not a good thing overall. Uh, What I'm saying is I see both sides for it. Uh, The government that's in power, say the district stayed the exact same. They could, they could do things, some finagling with their tax rates, with incentives for different areas once the districts were completely lined out and never changing to, to incentivize people that typically vote a certain way to move, move into district, to different districts. And so since you can change those districts around, you cut down a little bit of that incentive... right right now so I can see that being an issue that's one of my main problems I have is that you can really with all the power they have they can really fluctuate who lives in what district through all the incentive structures in the economy to gerrymander still in a way or really to to mess up all the votes so there's a big there's a big issue with that I would say anyway that's uh, that's where I'm at on gerrymandering right now one more little thing I wish they
1: could make it more like arbitrary yeah based on I don't know acreage of land or whatever How, for districts,
0: but however many acres of land you own, you get to draw it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I meant like like your counties are set, right? You know, yeah. Each county has a set amount of mm-hmm. whatever, so I, who knows? But Daisy brings up another good point. I forgot about this. I thought that they were too dumb and poor to get IDs and vote. Yeah, we read that last year sometime. That's that's Remember? the big issue. Remember that?
0: Well, Joe Biden said, though, that people, you know, that poor people are just as bright and just as as talented as white kids. So I feel Uh, like everyone should be able to get IDs. Okay. One more little thing. This is all the Republican conservative leaning things pretty big on this today. U.S. political party preferences shifted greatly in 2021, during 2021. On average, Americans' political party preferences in 2021 look similar to prior years. Uh, Slightly more U.S. adults identifying as Democrats than Republicans, so on average for the entire year, but there was a pretty big shift at the end of the year. Third quarter saw a decline in Democratic identification from 49 to 45 as Biden's ratings began to falter, while there was no change in Republican affiliation. The fourth quarter, party support flipped as Republicans made gains from 44 to 47, and Democratic affiliation fell from 45 to 42, meaning that during that quarter, for a very rare time, actually more people identifying as Republican or right-leaning than there were Democrat. Mm. These fourth quarter shifts coincided this, with strong GOP performances in the 2021 elections, including Virginia stuff. You guys know all that.
1: Could this possibly be have anything to do with the shifting narrative?
0: I'm not sure. At the same I think time, people are maybe starting to wake up a little bit to all the BS, potentially. The really big shift here was with independence. I put the chart up. Here on the thing, I'll make that as big as possible for you right there. The first quarter, here's with the uh, Democrat-leaning independent or Republican-leaning independent. Democrat was at 19 for independents that lean left. Republicans at 15 for independents that lean right. By the end of the year, the Democrats were down at 14 for independents that lean left, and the Republicans are up at 19. So basically a flip-flop. Of those two numbers is what happened. And so people who don't really have a party affiliation, who um, like to say that they're independent or whatever, uh, starting to lean more right than left. And maybe some of the craziness is starting to come home to roost through the chickens, mm-hmm. I think is what's happening mm-hmm. right now. Uh, independents still definitely make up the biggest portion here. We got, what does that come out to? Uh, let's see, 14, 19, see if I can do some quick.
1: 42%.
0: 42% for independence. Yeah, it's pretty big. So whoever can win those independents is the one that's going to win elections. Likely some of those people are libertarians, but not all of them. There's no option for libertarian mm-hmm. on this thing. So it'd be interesting to throw a libertarian into that and see which one it takes numbers away from. Probably going to be the independents or right-leaning independence, I would guess, although there are some left leaning libertarians that are out there. But anyway, I think that the I think that the elections at the end of the year are gonna go heavily in favor of Republicans because
1: I, I don't know. So you're know saying if, Trump twenty twenty four has a n- chance. No,
0: I still do not think that Trump twenty twenty four has any chance at all. I see no chance for
1: it. You want to bet on this? So
0: um, I lost, I last don't know week. how many more bets I can make. I already have a thousand dollar bet that Joe Biden's going to die. Who'd you make that with? Uh, this guy I know from music. I, I bet that he, that he would not be the president at the end of his term. Still, that was, that was the bet for any reason. I didn't say it cause he was going to die, but I bet that Joe Biden would not be the president at the end of this term.
1: Because something you were gonna do about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's worth a thousand bucks. I will say, just just in case the Secret Service is listening, that is not worth a thousand dollars. they are to me. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. That, I'm sure this is being flagged. We'll see. But um, yeah, I think that we're gonna see that shift, and I think it's a lot of people that are waking up to just how crazy. I mean, you can't keep this going forever. I think they just kind of live in this little Washington, D.C. bubble, this news bubble, this this liberal bubble. And people like MSNBC or whoever, they actually think that this gaslighting they're doing is working. And I think people are starting to wake up to it. They can see, well, they're clearly not following the science. We literally got people come out here and saying that this vaccine is not stopping you from getting infected or transmitting it to other people. And you've got the same viral load as someone who is unvaccinated. Are they Alex
1: Jones in waking up?
0: They might be, maybe not that, (laughs) maybe not that far, but I just think that things like this are really starting to turn the tide. And it's not because they're anti-vax or pro-vax or whatever, but I I think they're noticing just, this has a lot more to do with control than it does anything else in Washington. One shot and you can go into businesses or have your business open. One shot. Until May. We got no available data saying that one shot does anything mm-hmm. at all. One bit. This is just a little piece of control that they can put out there. The
1: only anecdotal evidence we have of one shot is M and M. Yeah. One opportunity. Yeah. To seize everything you've ever wanted. That's the only Evidence we really have of somebody making Mm -hmm. it was Eminem. So
0: don't miss your chance to go to the movie. You only get one shot and you can go. That's fine. That's what he was saying the whole time. Exactly makes sense now. Mom's spaghetti. So. (laughs) All right. Let's go.
1: (laughs) You know the thing. You know the thing. (laughs) You know the thing. Yeah. All right. Well, if you guys enjoyed this particularly boring and nothing to see here podcast where we just fill you with right wing propaganda and, um, and waste your time, mm-hmm. honestly. Just because a bunch of mis-
0: misinformation that's all been debunked.
1: We're, we're spreading misinformation in a mismanagementism way. Mm-hmm. That's all we do here. It's, this is the Good Morning Liberty mismanagementism. Could have said better myself. Mass formation psychosis uh, podcast yeah. where we just, we just say words that have no meaning and we debunk nothing. <laughs> so glad y'all are here for it. If you enjoy all of that.
0: I have, by the way, made an increased effort this year. Part of my secret resolution not so secret anymore. You know, I'm telling the po- whole podcast full of people about it was to give more detailed information because I want people to come away with the idea that they learned something or they got a piece of data that they could take back and use sometime with each one of these episodes where it's not just us looking at a news piece and saying, that's dumb. You know, now you can it,
1: finally tell your wife why she's wrong.
0: <laughs> there you go. Bring your bring cool. the study out there because they're all going to be linked
1: in the show notes. <laughs> tell your moms, tell your husbands, <laughs> tell your wives. Also, you can share the show with them. You know, if you don't want to say mm-hmm. it yourself, send it to these two misogynistic assholes here. Yep. Mainly Nate and Charlie. Us two. Send it, send them to us. We'll mansplain things. In a wider way than you've ever heard before in your Give life. Give me your wife's number. <laughs> if you all share the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify now, mm-hmm. too. Please hit that follow button and sign up. Good morning, Good Get in on the action. I see Nate has been posting videos on there. Mm-hmm. We've got lots of people joining recently. I uh, saw a lot of signups recently, so really appreciate that. And um, uh, spread the show. Just let people know what's going on over here. It's a whole lot of nothing, but uh, people seem to like it. So. seem to, Yeah. Embrace the nothingness that we share here. And uh, if you do all of that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning liberty.